There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans of the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Premier League preview show for game week 28 of the 17 18 season. I'm Tom Rennie and coming up on the show, having been knocked out of the FA Cup by lowly Wigan Athletic. Can Manchester City recover to win the first of what could still be an impressive treble of trophies when they face cup specialist Arsenal at Wembley in the Carabao? Plus, Jose Mourinho and Antonio Conte resume rivalries after tough Champions League draws in midweek. And we make it 11 teams are still in relegation trouble, though any more losses for West Bromwich Albion, and it may be down to 10 by the end of this weekend. That's all coming up on the Premier League Review Show. programme in the Premier League this weekend. We start at 12.30 UK time with Leicester against Stoke City. Across Saturday we've got Liverpool taking on West Ham United. Newcastle at Bournemouth. Brighton take on Swansea. Burnley against Southampton. And what a game. West Brom against Huddersfield. The late game sees Watford take on Everton. The Hornets not safe yet either. On Sunday, Crystal Palace Tottenham was on Monday. Is now back to Sunday at 12 o'clock UK time. Followed by the big Premier League game of the weekend. That's Manchester United against Chelsea. And then the late game on Sunday, live from Wembley Stadium, right around the world, is the Carabao Cup final as Manchester City take on that great cup team, bad league team. That's Arsenal. Alongside me is a man who watched Lionel Messi in the flesh this week, and I'm pretty sure the tattoo is close to being completed. It is Talk Sports Football Editor David Walker. How are you, mate? I'm good. What, a tattoo of Messi? Yeah, I think it'd really suit you. That'd be a great thing to get out of parties, wouldn't it? I'm not a tattoo man. Did you love him? For, for Messi or anyone you else. You seem like you'd look good If I was going to get a though. tattoo of a footballer, it wouldn't be Messi. Who would it be? Could you guess? Troy Deeney? Not Troy Deeney. Um, Graham Taylor? Not Graham Taylor. Um, you won't get it. I mean, it is no, wait, I'm going to keep Watford. doing it. it Stefano Akaka? No. Uh, Richarlison? Doesn't, cu- doesn't currently play for the current team. Uh, Adrian Mariano, oh, he's still there, isn't he? Um, uh, Lloyd Doyley? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I knew him. I kept going. That's, that's the Hall of Greats yeah. in that order. Um, Watford legend. You should, you should get that done. And I'll get... Well, I already look like Julian Dick, so maybe I'm already doing a tribute. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, listen, you were at the Chelsea game this week yeah. uh, at Stamford Bridge against Barcelona. 
A brilliant performance, I thought, from Chelsea. You take on Man United on, well, that's on it, Sunday. Right. Let me stop you there, because that's really interesting, because I've had all week since that game been listening to people on TalkSport and all over the place. Never listen to TalkSport, mate. Very divisive over <laughs> whether they thought that was a great performance by Chelsea or not, whether they thought that they should have started one of the two strikers, Morata or Giroud, or they should have gone for it more. But I, th- I agree with you. They're in the tie. That had to be the, the goal, right, mm. to still be in the tie when going to the new camp. They were one bad error away from winning that game 1-0. You know, Barcelona had their chances. Chelsea had probably as many, if not more, on the night. And I think you've got to be pretty happy with that. I always think uh, about when Jean-Luc Picard said to Commander Data in Star Trek The Next Generation, sometimes you can get everything right and still lose. That's not a mistake. That's life. And I think Chelsea and Antonio Conte got everything right. He picked the right team. It was a bold move to not play Giroud or Morata and not play one and then replace him mm. with the other uh, to do the Hazard false number nine thing. Um, and everything was right. There's no way he could have legislated for the Christensen pass, the Espilicueta missed tackle. And, you know, should've, he should have tried to take Iniesta out, shouldn't he? It, it was, it, that's the weirdest thing about it. It's not the Christensen ball, which is poor. It's the fact that Espilicueta is their best defender. Just kind of put in a very soft yeah, sliding tackle. Because it was there. He got to the, you know, he was it, at I can't the ball understand at the why right he didn't time. get it. Yeah, I agree. It was strange. I thought he was going to get it and just to, to clean, you know, the ball and the man out. But, uh, you know, Iniesta, fleet of foot. Mm. So he is he's a, he's a great player. And, and tell me about Lionel. Come on. I mean, there's people around the world that, that love Lionel Messi, and rightly so. They've never seen him in the flesh. You have. Tell me about it. Well, it was amazing. It was the first time I've seen him in the flesh. And uh, obviously... The thing that strikes you about him at first glance is just how small he is. His shorts go down to almost below the knee. <laughs> so Did you think so of him small. as like a younger brother? <laughs> he looks so small. Uh, but hey, I suppose that half the Barcelona team do, really. But the, the thing that struck me, and I was just focusing on him for, for period, long periods of the game, not, not watching the ball, just looking squarely at him. And he just... For large portions of the match, he just walks around. He's just, just sort of there. He's just, you know, muddling around, not really bothered. But then, bang, in the key moments, he comes alive, makes a darting little run or gets mm. comes deep to get the ball, shifts his body. I mean, he's just, you know, the balance that he has. Everyone knows how great a player he is. But mm. to see it in the flesh was quite amazing. But I was sort of looking at the Chelsea defenders. When he was when the ball was at the other end of the pitch, you, you sort of think that the defenders would always be wanting to keep an eye on him. Where's he going? Where, where is he? And they... You know, it was like he wasn't there. It was like he had like this invisibility cloak on mm. that nobody could see where he was until the moment where, bang, he came alive. And it was quite amazing. You know, and, and the goal, he's finally scored against Chelsea. He needed that one clear chance and he took it. I wonder it how bothered made, he made was it look about easy. that. I wonder when he was going into it, he was thinking, oh, I'd love to score against Chelsea. Probably. Do you think he's, a, he's affected by those I, well, things? I think he's done so much in his career that... You know, he would be looking at that as a, as a something that he would need to put right. There, he's played against them in such big games, and he would know that if I had scored in some of those other games, like in that semi-final, maybe we would have won another Champions mm. League. So, you know, it's important to him, I imagine. I wonder if he lies awake at night thinking to himself, oh, I've never scored at that London stadium. Should probably play for those hammers one day, <laughs> just to make sure I've I've scored at the nation's premier athletics track. Um, another story that's been dominating the headlines this week, Paul Pogba. Um, how much of a big story it is depends on, on, on many variables. Didn't play from the start uh, in midweek in the Champions League game in Seville where uh, Mourinho and Man United do what they do under Mourinho and tried to not lose the game and did that very effectively. Had to bring him on. But what was interesting, I thought, 
Um, and as you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Paul Pogba. I think he's a very talented player, but isn't going to fulfil his potential because of his weird, dab-heavy attitude. It drives me mad. What was weird is when he was coming on, it was almost like Mourinho was trying to brief him fully on Herrera's job. And he was like, stand here in a wall, do this, do that. For your player that's of this calibre, it's odd that he would need to be taught the basics and told the basics when he comes on, isn't it? Does that show they haven't spoken all week? Am I reading too much into it now? Well, I don't know, but it's an interesting point because I, I noticed the same at Chelsea on Tuesday. Conte, and it, you know, he's famous for this, when, when he's in the mood, he hasn't always been lately, but when he's in the mood, he will literally try and micromanage every element of the match to the point where if a fullback is running in front of him and has two options to pass, he'll be screaming at him to do the one that he wants him to do. He doesn't mm. seem to want his players to really think for themselves. And yet there are some managers who completely other way and will just maybe do their preparation in the week and then just say, right, okay, it's down to you guys now. I've, t- I've taught you what you you know what we want to do. You, you're the ones that have got to go and do it. You'd think that someone of Paul Pogba's quality would know these things, mm. but perhaps it's just the managers not wanting to leave anything to chance. Their neck is on the line at the end of the day. If Paul Pogba has a series of bad games and United slip down the league, Paul Pogba doesn't get sacked, does he? Mourinho does. Is the rift real and does Pogba play against Chelsea this weekend? Well, that's going to be fascinating to see that, that team line-up when it comes out just after one o'clock on Sunday. Because Herrera's not going to play. So the opening is there, but there are other options. I mean, it seems mad, doesn't it, that we've reached a point where Mourinho seemingly prefers to play McTominay ahead of... Who's been very good. Pogba. Yeah, great. And he's taken his chances and great. We want to see young players come through the academies and get first team minutes and good luck to him. But it's amazing to think that it's come to that mm. because, you know, Pogba, he had a great start to the season. And now, you know, he's seen, he, he, I think they're, they're, you know, he said he was ill at the weekend. He said he was ill at the weekend. Did you see the interview with Mourinho before the game mm-hmm. on BT? You know, it, you're trying to read between the lines and it doesn't seem like to me, it looks like there's been a falling out. It's, it's, it's odd that, I think with Paul Pogba, the issue is that when a player is ill or off form, which happens to anyone, you know, Messi said periods of poor form during his career. But what a lot of players have got is that credit in the bank from previous performances. And what Pogba doesn't have is that period where United fans and Mourinho and us, as people who watch a lot of football, go, but he was so great September, October, November. I know he played well start of the season, but was he spectacular? And I, I would say the answer is probably no. But... And the assist at nine assists, you know, a lot of them, as we discussed loads of times, don't really yeah, count. I think some was, of the performances he was meeting expectations. But this is the, 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 well, okay, that's a good way of putting it. But he's not exceeding those expectations, yeah. and that is what we expected from him. Well, I, I saw an interview with Rio Ferdinand the other day, and I thought he made a really good point. He said when he flourished at Juventus, he had lots of really world-class, experienced players with him. He would mm. have Chiellini behind him, Buffon's in the team. He's got Perlo there, and they would be able to help him drive up the standards of the team perhaps give him advice positionally and stuff and just allow him to do what he does when he gets on the ball. At Manchester United, there aren't that many leaders around him in mm. that team, are there? Look at those centre-backs behind him who are not going to necessarily be communicating. Smalling and Jones and, at the moment are having enough trouble communicating with each other, <laughs> let alone anywhere else on the pitch, it seems. You know, th- th- there aren't a load of leaders that, of the type that you've seen in Manchester United. But he's meant the to be the leader, isn't he? Perhaps Making he the other players better. He well, was maybe. the captain six weeks ago. 
And now he's behind Herrera, who was an outcast in August and September, uh, and Scott McTominay. It's a fascinating topic, and we will talk about this more uh, as we count down to a massive weekend uh, with our guest a bit later in the show. Uh, I wanted to mention this briefly as well. Man City were unhappy. They didn't know there was going to be a camera in the tunnel uh, during their FA Cup loss to Wigan Athletic. They have one in their own tunnel, don't they? They have one in their own tunnel. (laughs) And also, they have a glass tunnel. (laughs) You can go pay to watch. What were they? So it's so bizarre that all of a sudden they need to be told that you need to not act like a three-year-old yeah, in the tunnel. I know. Like Guardiola lost it. Guardiola totally lost his call with Paul Cook, irrespective of what you think about Paul Cook, who's the Wigan manager, and uh, uh, and his kind of attitude on on the sideline. He waited for him like you do after recess for someone who's really annoyed you. You're going to give a quick dead leg to before going back into class. That's what he does. That's why they're annoyed about it, because Guardiola again showed that when it doesn't go his way, he acts like a child. That was extremely childish. And I've got to mention this as well. Um, if you, A lot of people out there will watch this in other countries. Um, and the, the footage in the UK was being shown by the BBC. And the BBC in the UK, as soon as they saw that erupt in the tunnel, cut. they cut it off. Yeah. And there's going to be a big problem bringing tunnel cam and dressing room cam in that the stuff we really wanted to see, everyone was too afraid to show. Well, that's, that's one of the best half yeah. times I've ever seen. It's a huge contrast to the world of American sports where t- cameras are in the dressing rooms, people are doing interviews. They've barely got their the towels on exactly. before they say they want to and go to Disneyland. Look, Guardiola has his many, many fans and critics. I don't think, given this season, how Manchester City have played notwithstanding the results recently where they've lost those few matches. No one can really deny how great he is as Mm. a coach. Clearly, he's obsessed with winning. He's obsessed at being the best he can be. And and it does very much seem to be that that he cannot control that obsession. That if something happens and he, he perceives that to be an injustice against his team, he just can't control it, and he, 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 we've seen it before, and I'm sure we'll see it again. Mm. And and it, and it is a slight on it. It, 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 you know, it is something that lets him down. He lets himself down, I think, in those moments. He gives ammunition to his critics when he behaves like that because he doesn't need to do that. Well, or, the, or maybe he does. Maybe that's part of his personality. And if he doesn't have that, if he doesn't act like that, he can't do the rest of it. I feel the same about biscuits, and I'm a little bit annoyed that having asked you last week to bring in digestives, you brought nothing for me, and I am going to be. Seriously, Paul cooking you for the next few minutes. Okay. Fury. Is I'll that all right? See, I'll see you outside. Uh, well, you keep your biscuits outside. I'll see you <laughs> in the kitchen. Anyway, Premier League preview show. We're going to talk about United Chelsea next. You are listening to the Premier League preview show for the 28th week of the season. 11 games to go for so many in the Premier League and plenty to still be decided. We'll talk about the relegation places later in the show, of which there are 11 teams, we reckon, who could still go down. Though you could easily put Everton and maybe even Leicester in there, considering how many points everyone down the bottom is getting. For the moment, let's look at the top of the table. City, of course, going to win it, but second, third, fourth, fifth. Not going to say sixth, because of course that's where Arsenal are going to finish. But those positions are all still up for grabs. And two of those teams meet this weekend at Old Trafford at five past two UK time. It is Manchester United against Chelsea. We are joined by a former Chelsea winger to preview this game. Live from the golf course, it's Clive Walker. How are you, mate? You all right? I'm very well, Tom. Good afternoon. To Thank you. you for finding some time for us. Listen, um, Chelsea in midweek, Dave and I were, were talking about this earlier in the show, I thought were very, very good against Barcelona, but 
maybe the season is revolving around Antonio Conte having a, a good performance in the Champions League because he ain't going to be there next year. So why would he care about qualifying for next year's Champions League? How do they recover from not winning a game they should have won? Well, I think in foremost, first and foremost, we've got to look at Barcelona arguably being one of the best teams around in the world. And I think you're always going to be up against it possession-wise with Barcelona. I think what Antonio Conte did with his team selection and formation was to suggest that Chelsea were going to hit on the counter-attack. And although being at home, we're understandably going to be short on the possession count. And I think that showed by quite a margin. However, what they needed to find was a solution to getting at their back four, which they, which they managed to do and score the goal, obviously. The mistake that caused the equaliser was certainly annoying from Antonio Conte's <laughs> point of view because he'd set it all up that that wasn't going to happen. But we know these things do, and occasionally they, uh, they do hurt you. And I guess that, that sort of almost put a, a dampener on the whole evening because if they'd have walked away from winning 1-0, and, and for me, putting in a, a good performance against one of the best teams around, I think that would have been absolutely superb. From the way they played in midweek, I don't think that, that Eden Hazard or Maratu who came on or Giroud is the most vital player that they've got right now. And also on the pitch in midweek with Iniesta and Lionel Messi and Luis Suarez out there, they weren't the best players on the field. Willian. Willian had a great game. A couple of times he hit the woodwork, scored as well. Where is he now in the Chelsea pecking order? Because when we were going into January, we were talking about Conte not wanting him and him maybe having to move on. Well, is that the media saying Conte doesn't want him? I didn't we think we'd heard him The fact he sat on the bench that. for months is the main he, reason. He has, he has sat on the bench and he's been good impact-wise. I'll tell you what he has done, though, Tom, in recent weeks is he's come into form. And he was, for me, going into the game, the form player, which is probably why Antonio Conte went with the team selection he did. He could quite easily have picked Morata or Giroud and played Pedro and Hazard either side. But he decided to go this way because leaving out William would have been a, a massive thing because he'd been in such good form and scored goals. So you can understand on the night William playing well because he was in form, he was full of confidence, and that's what you get from players. And I think that was an important factor in his team selection. So arguably, is William playing his way back into the team when the team are producing some results? They had a very poor January, so maybe mm. they turn that corner and can finish the season strongly. And that will mean players like William, Hazard, you know, these big players turning up for the rest of the season and having, you know, the best time of their lives, arguably. And then maybe William might be a player that Antonio Conte might want to keep, of course, depending on the situation come the beginning of next season. Clive, how do you think we'll, we'll see Antonio Conte set Chelsea up on, on Sunday? Because it's a completely different prospect and challenge to the one they faced in the week against Barcelona where they knew they weren't going to have as much of the ball and it was all about keeping it tight and, and taking those one or two opportunities. It's not, Even though they're away from home against Manchester United, it's not going to be the same prospect, is it? Well, it isn't, no. It is a different formula for sure. And they will look to, to spring a surprise. You know, I think this is what these top coaches do, you know, the Pep Guardiola, the Jose's of this world, they look for a solution to beat the team that they're playing against. I think when they're playing against the teams lower down the league, they can take more of a, more of a risk. But I think with something like this, it's one of those games that very, very important for both sides. I think, I, I would think that uh, Antonio Conte will play similar to Barcelona in the respect that he will look for, for the counter-attacking system. And I, I think who he selects 
in the centre of midfield for me is a big, big ask because obviously Cesc Fabregas played the other day and barely got a touch. And Golo Kante got missed out a lot of the time but was still influential in certain areas. But it's obviously Kante would play alongside somebody else so that they're able to feed the ball to the likes of Hazard and, and William and whoever plays up front with them. For Manchester United, they played in midweek in the Champions League against Sevilla. I suppose the biggest surprise for us is that anyone was surprised with the way Manchester United played. I mean, you would have seen him destroy the careers of the entertainers like Joe Cole and, and make him fullbacks before. Um, the fact that he's gone to Seville and been super negative, does that have any impact on the way United set up this weekend? Can he afford to just allow Chelsea to have the ball at Old Trafford? Well, I think, I think well, as I said previously, I think they go with this, this idea that they can change things around. I've seen Jose, and he, you know I know him from the past, mm. and, I, and I think I've seen Jose, when needs must, can put in performances like he did against Sevilla and shut the door, shut up shop. But I think with Chelsea, he's going to expect them to sit deep and hit on the counter-attack. So I think he's got to play on the front foot. I don't think he can afford, especially at home, to sit back. He's got to push forward and try and get that first goal, which will make a huge difference to the result. So from his point of view, after the severe game, he's got to play differently. Um, how he goes about get about that is another way. But, you know, is our players, you know, like Marcus Rashford, going to be involved from the start? You know, I think he's been a bit of a thorn in the past towards Chelsea. So, you know, that might be a, a change of player, if you like, if not formation. Uh, Dave, any stats for this weekend that can give us any indication about how this game's going to go? Well, looking at Romelu Lukaku, we we know that he, he's failed to score in any of his six Premier League matches against the big six mm. this season. He's only had four shots in targets in those games. And I think there will be focus on Lukaku. He, he, I th- it was believed that Conte wanted to take him to Chelsea in the summer. Of course, we know he played for Chelsea years previous. He's now back under Mourinho at Manchester United. But I, I think there's going to be a lot of focus on the strikers, Lukaku for Manchester United, and who starts up mm. front for Chelsea? Is it Hazard again? Is it Giroud? Is it Morata now he's back fit? I think that, that'll be intriguing to see what happens. Clive, what do you think? Who starts up front for Chelsea? It's, it's a tough one because, to be fair, he, he's got a choice of Morata or Giroud, and arguably it's a difficult one whether either is 100% fit in respect of playing for 90 minutes. Um, I don't think he'll go with a three. I think it might be a a slot where Pedro drops out and he plays one or the other. I think he needs a target man and needs a strong one. And I think at this moment in time, I think Giroud is probably favourite. But either player can play that role. I think we're also seeing Muratu came in guns all blazing. And Muratu sort of disappeared as a a 2017 come to a finish. And Muratu was out injured. And I think he, having seen little bits of him just for, for a few minutes... You see a, a more encouraging Morata, but I think he's got a way to go to get up to the speed of the others. I've got to be honest here. I, I know it's a big game and we're looking forward to it and all that. This screams nil-nil to me. This screams two teams who don't want the ball and two teams that may well be happy with the draw. I think Manchester United is certainly more important for Manchester United not to lose. It's, you know, for Chelsea... If a draw for Chelsea doesn't do that, it keeps them in the top four. But if they can win this game, mm. they go level on points with Manchester United. The goal difference is pretty similar as well. And this would be a real big you know, statement of intent to, to lodge themselves firmly as the contenders for that second spot. Well, well I think you, you, you're seeing a, a Chelsea side that is 
realised that these big games were just around the corner a couple of weeks ago. You know, obviously twice against Barcelona, Man United and Man City. So they'd have been looking forward to these games and they've gone into it with a bit of momentum. OK, they didn't quite get the result against Barcelona, but they've been OK of late. You know, they've got their spark back. i got a feeling that Chelsea, well, might look to win the game. I don't think they'll sit for the draw. I think they'll be more positive in getting bodies forward when they get the chance for the counter-attack. Fantastic game. Shame as a cup final on the same day, really. Uh, that's at five past two UK time on Sunday. Clive, you're part of TalkSport's international commentary team on Saturday. We broadcast every single Premier League game outside the UK through our broadcast partners right around the world to 70 countries. Uh, Leicester against Stoke is the 12.30 UK time kickoff. And I think this could be a real chance for Stoke City, who have obviously bumbled and stumbled their way through the season. And Paul Lambert hasn't really had much of an impact uh, at the club. And uh, of course he hasn't. I mean, he's basically Mark Hughes with a different accent. Uh, but for Leicester, the reason this is an opening for Stoke for me is that I think they're going to focus on the FA Cup from now. If you're looking at teams still in the FA Cup, who could get a bit of glory and who in the league have got nothing to play for, you're looking at Leicester City as they've got a favourable draw in the quarterfinals as well. There could be little openings here. And we do see teams who look at cup competitions as their preferred competition start falling away a bit in the league, don't we? I think we can do. I, I, I'm on this occasion. I'm going to disagree with you, though, Tom, which is not the first time, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't think Stoke can beat Leicester. I think at the moment... Leicester are okay as a Premier League side. They've got uh, their rhythm back a little bit better than it was, and I think they're looking upwards. And I think always as well, good cup runs can give you good good league results. And I think they've got to hang on in there in the league. Yeah, and the cup, the FA Cup is going to make a, a difference to them, and, and it, it could inspire them to have better league results. So for me, Leicester, Leicester being the home side, I think they're a firm favourites. Uh, just one quick question on Jamie Vardy. I know you were doing the game uh, when he scored that 11th goal in 11 games a couple of years ago. Um, and you're back watching Jamie Vardy again this weekend. Is he playing anywhere near as good as he was back then? It's 4-4 four four for him at the moment. Well, I think he is, but he's just not getting as many opportunities as he did. I think that, that year when he was just banging in goals for fun, you know, that was uh, opportunity after opportunity. I don't think he's getting as many, but I think he's up to his... Up to as good as his best at the moment. And don't forget, you know, he's 30, is it 30 years of age now? Yeah, 31. You know, yeah. 31, yeah. You know, it's, he's looking over his shoulder at the moment. He he's signed a, a decent more, contract. He's more under the radar and, now, though, isn't he? You know, ever, we were looking at him because he, yeah. he was the story of that season. Leicester were the story of that season. Now he's just going about his business. He's scoring goals. It's good for Leicester. It's good for England. Mm. Yeah, he is. I mean, you're right. It's absolutely spot on. And, and I think that's why... He, he quite won't be up to that pile or that level that he was. We won't look at it in that shocked or surprised manner. And I think the fact that he's, his chances, he's still putting the goals away with the chances he gets. I think that's a good thing. That's a typical uh, striker who's, who's not only informed but full of confidence. And that's, I think that's where he is. I don't know, Clive. When I say something, you can't disagree more. When... How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Dave says something, you're absolutely right. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I'm not taking it personally, mate. You know, but it's clear. The audience are hearing it, okay? Yeah, well, that's okay, Tom. Wait till we do commentary together, and then they'll be over <laughs> Clive Walker, <laughs> former Chelsea Sunderland man. Thanks for your time. We'll speak to you again soon. On the Premier League preview show, we're going to talk Carabao Cup final next. listening to the Premier League preview show for the 28th week of the season but it's not just about the Premier League this weekend we've got our first cup final of the season it's the Carabao Cup final also known as the EFL Cup final the League Cup final and that competition what you play your second team in uh, it's Man City against Arsenal at Wembley 4:30 UK time kickoff. We're broadcasting live in the UK and outside the UK and if you're listening internationally your commentary team are Phil Blacker and the former Man City captain Steve Lomas who joins us on the line right now. How are you Steve? You're right mate. Hi guys, hi Tom. Thanks for coming on the preview show once again. Let's talk about Manchester City because uh, losing against Wigan Athletic with Apart from Kevin De Bruyne and the goalkeeper, pretty much their strongest team. That's one hell of a blow going into a cup final, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Obviously, they've had a little bit of slump in terms of where they've been this season, in terms of draw, games drawn and obviously losing at Wigan, who I've got to say thoroughly deserves the, mm. the result. So maybe it's been a little kick up the backside that, that, that is needed that, you know, they, they've got to not be complacent. Um, I think, you know, as regards to the final, I think, It'll be, uh, it'll be, like you say, a kick up the backside for them to go and lift the first trophy in, in Pep's name. But also, it might be a real kick up the backside and, and some real optimism for Arsenal. Because they've now seen that Manchester City have been beaten by Liverpool and Wigan when we previously thought they were invincible. And they've been beaten by two completely different opponents. One went toe-to-toe with them, one defended and got one chance and took it. Now, I think Arsenal will be more suited to the former of those two approaches. But it shows that Man City can be beaten in a one-off game. Yeah, they can be. And obviously over the past, Arsenal have been, like the Masters are doing that there um, on the one-off occasions. But I just can't see it, Tom. I think Arsenal's 
defensive frailties, um, their injuries. There's obviously Ramsey looks like he's going to miss. Lacassette's out. Um, I think Welbeck's only the only fit strike at the minute, along with the new sign of Bangarang. So, you know, I, I just look at Arsenal and the North London derby and how they just didn't lay a glove on, on Tottenham. And you think such a big game um, of that magnitude, um, there needed to be a little bit more intensity um, in their play. But on a one-off, if the big players really come to the force, the likes of Ozil, um, they have a chance. But if City are anywhere near the best, and I think couldn't, that result at Wigan probably couldn't have helped Arsenal because I think it will be it'll be that little bit of a push to say, come on, lads, you know, let's get back to, to where we were. And, and Pep will be itching to get that first trophy. I wonder who plays at the back this weekend for Manchester City because he's tried a few different combinations since they signed Laporte in the transfer window. They tried him with Stones. They tried him with company. They put Otamendi and company together. Uh, Stones has been in and out. They've tried uh, Zinchenko at left back, Delph at left back, Danilo, who is the player I dislike the most in English football because he won't even use his left foot as a swinger. He won't even use it as a Stevie Lomas swinger. It's so annoying that he won't use it. So what is the back foot? For this weekend for Man City, you just don't know. I think, <laughs> like you said, Tom, he's definitely he's tried a lot of different combinations. I think, but the good thing is he has that can call upon the likes of Vincent Company now. Um, Danilo is left foot's poor, but his right foot ain't bad. <laughs> um, but uh, I think wherever wherever he's called upon, um, you know, Stephen Stones is coming back after the injury blow. After he had started the season really well. Um, so I think it's just right the way throughout the squad they've got so many options um, I just think like I said them last couple of results maybe just as a little wake up call for Man City to say right come on lads everything's been going well but we've had a little bit of a wake up call let's go and take Arsenal apart get back to where we were uh, and obviously it looks like the league's at a foregone conclusion but obviously they've got the Champions League which is, which is a massive opportunity for them as well I know Arsenal are obviously still in the Europa League. They're fighting to get into the top four, although it looks increasingly unlikely. This really could be their only chance of having any sort of glory this season. Well, I think if you asked Arsene Wenger, he would definitely probably, like you said, Europe looks the only real option to get in the top four. He's come out and stated that he still feels that they can get in there, but it would have to be almost perfect running in, in, in the Premier League, which at the moment I don't see them doing that there. They're just... In terms of the defensive frailties, you know whether he plays four, whether he plays three, uh, the conceding goals, and you know the, the the big question mark for me is the, the lack of a ball when in midfielder where it gives the back three or back four a bit of protection. They haven't got that, uh, and it's it's showing. Um, so I think there, there's bigger issues there. I think you know Europa League is definitely the way into our Man United getting um, um, into the top. Your Champions League, so um, it's a big, yeah, it's a big day in terms of giving the fans a day out because you know I think the majority of Arsenal fans are you know disillusioned with the situation, uh, and um, you know it would 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 maybe give Arsenal Wenger you know a bit of respite. I just wonder how much they regret selling Olivier Giroud at this point. I thought it was a mistake from the moment it happened. When teams have threatened against City this season, Bristol City, Burnley. 
uh, and to an extent Wigan as well. There is higher balls through the centre, over the top. Someone like Olivier Giroud could have really thrived. There's no Lacazette. Big test for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who's so fresh to English football. But, of course, it's not the only time they meet each other this week. They play each other again in the Premier League on Thursday, uh, which may even be more important for Arsenal when, as Dave says, there is still a Champions League race to be fought. Uh, and there's a chance that Spurs, there's a chance that United, uh, certainly one or United or Chelsea, is going to drop points this weekend. Yeah, I think so. But I, I just think, you know, it's no... <laughs> It's no mistake in terms of how Arsenal, you seem to, every year you think, yeah, this is going to be the chance, and then they don't do it. Uh, and and they, just, they just haven't got the blend right between, between attack and defence. And, and, you know, in terms of players that, that want to actually go about winning the ball back. Uh, and, and against the top teams, especially when you're away from home, you need that. You need, you need them players... Resilience. Arsenal and the great Arsenal teams in the past have had them. Vieira, Petit, um, Ray Parler, Martin Keown, you know Nigel Winterburn, good players, but but wanted to do the other side of the game. And and, and unfortunately, um, Arsenal don't do that side as well as the other top teams in terms mm-hmm. of retain, getting the ball back. Liverpool do it really well with a high press. Man City as well in terms of Pep. Um, Chelsea, obviously, are very structured and organised in, in terms of with Conte, the Italian way. He, he respects that the other side of the game has to be done well. Um, and Arsenal, unfortunately, just ha- have got the balance wrong in the last, for me, the last three or four years. Do you know what? I fancy Arsenal. I can only fancy Arsenal in a cup <laughs> game. I, 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 Arsenal at Wembley just seems to be a bit of an immovable force. Everything says City win this. Unless Everything. Yeah. Well, yeah, good point. <laughs> Everything logically to me says City are going to win it, but I just see Arsenal doing it. Steve, really quick prediction. Who's going to do it? You still think City? I still think City. I think City 3-1. Dave, what do you think? Yeah, I think City. Maybe in extra time. Extra time. I, I fancy Arsenal, maybe extra time as well. But, uh, you know, we all like more football, don't we? Uh, Steve Lomas, who's part of our international commentary team for this, this weekend. Uh, thanks a lot, mate. Uh, we'll see you at the weekend. All right. Top man, Tom. Steve Lomas, a former Manchester City uh, West Ham captain as well. We're going to have him with us the weekend. You know what, what I'm wondering about this Sunday? What? Penny for the thoughts of Alexis Sanchez. Mm. After he's had 90 minutes of playing in that, what can't be very fun, really. No. Track back. Side. Track back. For Mourinho's side for Manchester United at Old Trafford. Tripping people over at Huddersfield last week. going to watch his old mates from Arsenal, Wembley. He's going to watch his, what could have been new mates at Man City. One of them's going to be lifting the trophy, taking selfies in the dressing room, and he's just going to be there with his dogs, sad at home. Counting his cash. Yeah. Counting his cash <laughs> and stroking his dogs. Um, yeah, I, I can't imagine there'll be too many that'll be feeling much sympathy uh, for Alexis Sanchez, but I'd feel sorry for Olivier Giroud. Because for a long time, he has been trying to get in a first team in the Premier League leading the line. He went to Chelsea to do that. Massive game against Barcelona. That's pretty much what we think he's been brought in for. He's on the bench. And they've got a cup final coming up, Arsenal. But maybe not immediately with Morata injured. We thought at least he'd start for a few weeks and maybe have a bit of a claim on the the starting lineup. Mm. And now, Arsenal got no Lacazette. Forget Sanchez. It's all handsome Giroud, I feel sorry for. Um, we're going to preview loads of Premier League games when we come back. You are listening to the Premier League Preview Show. You are listening to the Premier League Preview Show. 
28 weeks of the season will be done come the end of Sunday. Just 10 to go and lots to still be decided. Is it coming end of Thursday? Is Thursday next weekend or is this week? Thursday has technically already happened. Next Thursday, when Arsenal play Man City. Yeah, that's technically already happened. That was a previous game week that was moved forward. So technically, that was like game week 26 or something. Right. Work on your game weeks, man. Okay. Focus on your GWs. (laughs) That's very much a a key element of the preview show. Um, So, let's talk about some of those games. Our international feature game at 3 o'clock UK time is Liverpool up against West Ham United. Uh... Earlier in the season, it was the game that embarrassed Slavon Bilic to the point he got the old heave-ho. Um, I think West Ham might have a, a decent chance of not getting thrashed, at least. Mm. Uh, but I think a decent chance of maybe forcing a draw from it. Well, this has got the, all the hallmarks of a d- disappointing Liverpool performance. I'm thinking Bournemouth. I'm yeah. thinking about all the teams it's that have Saturday, gone It's Saturday, 3 o'clock. They're not in a big TV slot. They'd be expected to beat a lesser opponent at home. They've just They beat Porto. 5-0 in the Champions League mm. last week. Everything's going well for them. They've had a week off because they're not in the FA Cup. And it, it just screams like one all or a 1-0 West Ham win. And West Ham hadn't won there since 1963 until they won two seasons ago by three goals to nil. Since then, uh, they've gone three unbeaten at Anfield, uh, including a couple of draws in there as well. Um, West Ham have had two weeks off since the victory over Watford. Have I mentioned the victory over Watford, Dave? Did you remember yeah, that? Since, no. Great game, great performance. Good to to put your your lesser rivals to bed. I think um, tremendous victory there. Lanzini could be back. Could potentially be a Liverpool player next season. Well, Arnautovic will play, won't he? And he was back against Watford. He and was back. Made all the difference. And Hernandez scoring regularly as well. I think there's a lot at the moment the West Ham can be positive about. I think they're in a situation where they'll get the ten points they need to survive. Maybe one of them this weekend, but of course, if Liverpool score one, they score two, they score three, they score four. And, and Mohamed Salah, uh, I mean, the chant has gone around the nation and everyone's enjoying it. I've even got involved in it. You know, I love a good chant. Um, if he scores, I mean, he's averaging a goal or assist, I was reading earlier this week, every 64 minutes in home Premier League games. It's sensational, isn't That's it? It's crazy. I think we all knew that he improved as a player since he'd left Chelsea and been at Roma. But nobody expected him to, to perform to the levels that he mm. has done. And he's performing so well that I think Liverpool are going to have a job keeping hold of him in the summer. Oh, unquestionably. Even if they qualify in the Champions League, he has been so elite uh, as a player that there'll be the three or four big teams in the world yeah. saying, well, why is he playing there? And, I mean, Liverpool have got to, got to finish in the Champions League places minimum in order to be able to retain um, Mohamed Salah and probably reinvest in, in players that he could play next to as well um, but you know, could go either way this weekend I'm never going to predict a Liverpool performance and West Ham could just as easily win it three uh, as lose it by seven What so. do you think of Anatovic's new hairdo? Um, yeah do you know what not enough people do the purple rinse anymore uh, I used to go to my nan's uh, she used to be a warden of an old people's home more of a, more of a peroxide job isn't no, it? No mate that's proper like when I used to go and and have tea and coffee with the old ladies at my nan's old pit was home years ago. That was the colour they all had. Queenie had it. Ivy had it. Maggie had it. All of them. <laughs> same haircut. Don't know what he's doing. Like, if I once dyed my hair blonde back in the days I had hair, but uh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do, do the bleach job. I did one of those kind of um, off-the-shelf ones. Yeah. And it came out a weird sort of purple. <laughs> have, you, have you been bald ever since then? Yeah, Did it all actually, fall out? Now I think about it. <laughs> that was a terrible decision. I dyed my hair at 14. And, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, should should look into that. I could sue someone. Let's move on. Uh, Watford. Um, wow, it's it's been a weird old time to be a Watford supporter. They've got Everton this weekend. Yeah. Everton dreadful away from home. But it's kind of result, kind of game that Watford can't afford not to win. 
Yeah, you just really don't know what you're going to get from no. Watford on a week-to-week basis Sacked. at the moment. Um, we could just as easily roll Everton over here and embarrass them and inflict another terrible away defeat on them, or we could, you know, we could get done by Allardyce and we could mm. be edged out in a tight encounter. It's going to be really interesting. Watford is slowly starting to get some of the players back who've been out injured for a long time. Kiko Firmini has been missing for a while. He played very well in the early part of the season. Not sure whether he'll be quite fit enough to start, but he's he's getting there. He should be involved in the squad at the weekend. And him and uh, Delafeo played together in the Barcelona B setup when they were youngsters. And I know they're looking forward to linking up on the right hand side. It's been good, Delafeo. I thought yeah. he was half decent against West Ham. Well, he certainly was good against, against Chelsea. And he plays against his old club here, who mm. I know a number of Everton fans who would love to have had him back. And we're very disappointed to see him go. And he's been very good so far for Watford. But it's it's a it's a big game for Watford because they all are from now to the end of the season. Mm. They need to pick up the points, such so so do all the other teams in the bottom half of the table to try and guarantee safety. But Everton, I mean, you mentioned there are eleven teams in the relegation battle earlier on, and Everton being the the uppermost of those of those eleven. Thirty four points, eight points clear of eighteenth place Southampton. You That's know, where Sheffield United sat the year they went down. Eight points clear mid-table with eight games to go. I do feel that they're going to do enough at home to, to stay up and they won't be involved in the thick of the relegation battle. But, you know, if they keep losing away, every time they go away from home, they, they lose. It's not good and they'll continue to be in there. But Struggling at home as well. And I loved Allardyce last week. And he said, St. Tossin, who we brought in, big striker, he's struggling with the weather. Uh, well, we all are, aren't we, at the moment? Well, he's, he's used to playing in the rain, and it gets very cold in Turkey half the year, so I'm pretty sure he's not going to be worried by a bit of drizzle on Merseyside. Umani Ass remains the centre-forward for Everton. I find that but baffling. He's been doing all right. I'll tell you why I know that. It's because I keep having him on my, on my bench in my <laughs> fantasy team, and he's racking up points. It, it, and centre. It's more luck than, fortune, uh, than <laughs> skill, I tell you. He's got, he's got no idea what's going on. Uh, that's the 5.30 UK time kickoff on Saturday. Uh, Whilst Monday Night Football moved back to Sunday at 12 o'clock UK time is Crystal Palace against Tottenham. Mm. Lots of talk about Wilfred Zahar this week. Will he make a move to Spurs in the summer? A £50 million bid apparently going to be forthcoming. But there gonna, is no Zahar not gonna play, this weekend. Yeah. Injured. Uh, and if he isn't there... I, I always think of Zahar. And I went to the West Ham game a few weeks ago and I've covered them a fair amount. He doesn't statistically do as much as, say, a Pogba does. He doesn't have the assist numbers. But you watch teams, and you mentioned Lionel Messi to a degree it's vaguely similar. Because you're so busy thinking about what Wilfred Zahar is going to do, that gave the space to Townsend, certainly in the West Ham game. It stopped there being two markers on Benteke. It stopped the deep-lying midfielder tracking that run because they were thinking if Zahar beats the fullback, he's going to beat the next man, going to beat the next man. Without him... They lose that balance. They lose that threat. Jason Punchin, of course, out as well and may have been an able deputy on the other wing. I can't see Palace getting anything else from any game until he is back. No, it's going to be very difficult for them against Spurs. Spurs, you know, I know they had their struggles against Rochdale in mm. the Cup. They've got to do that again on Wednesday. But, you know, you, you, you can't see anything other than Spurs turning up and doing what they do. And Harry Kane scoring a few, unless he had too many at the Brit Awards in the week. What did you think of him at the Brit Awards, which is our Grammys kind of thing? Well, he was up with uh, Camilla Cabello? Cabello. I didn't know who that was, so I just called her Camilla Parker Bowles. <laughs> She's definitely nothing like Camilla Parker Bowles. I really Bowles. wasn't sure who it was. I don't know the young pop star. A I didn't know Jay Huss was. Pop starlet. Uh, and let's just say she she's was a singer. A, she she's was a, singer. a little bit more comfortable up on stage than Harry was. I thought Harry done all right though, because that is a terrible job. If yeah. someone says, "Can you give an award?" and I've given an award at a very well, lesser event, <laughs> but I've given an award, and it's you have to go up and they say, "I'll do a bit of banter." 
and you go, well, oh, you got some scripted banter, and they came, they come out with like a few different mm. things you could do. Scripted banter. Well, you know, because it, 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 it has to be like, um, <laughs> there was one like, I think this award could do with some female presenters. Yes, it could. What about me? <laughs> Here's best international male. Like, it's, it's not funny. It's not no. good. So I thought he'd done all right. Apart from when he gave her a high five and then went, <laughs> which is a bit weird. Uh, but yeah, hopefully, he, I'm sure he did. Uh, stay off the sauce, and he'll be back in scoring form, I'm sure, uh, for Spurs this weekend. Um, let's move on. West Bromwich Albion, bottom of the league. Um, no no charges going to be filed against the alleged cab stealers. Uh, they went on a team bonding break where apparently they only trained for about three hours and did another 20 hours in the old pub. Uh, whichever lost way the cup you, since then. Whichever way you slice it. Huddersfield this weekend. That is not a good situation no. for that club. This West Brom are in big trouble. They sacked their the directors and the chairman, didn't they, the week before last. They went on this warm-weather training camp and the most senior players have been involved in an incident to the level that they've had to apologise for it officially. Mm. And, you know, it, you, if you're a West Brom fan, you're thinking, come on, lads, really. Mm. Just have a have a bit of come on foresight. Now. Come yeah. on. With seven points adrift at the bottom of the league here. Our captain is out... You know, getting involved in all sorts of nonsense in Spain on the Raz and joyriding. I mean, don't be funny. I, mean, I know it's it's not. There's not going to be no charges, but they've apologised. Yeah, they've apologised. And sometimes, you know, we we complain that footballers have no freedom and that, and that they should be allowed to go out and enjoy themselves and relax and maybe put the troubles of the, on the pitch, which at, is true to the back of their mind. They should be able to do that. It's not. It's just bad timing. It's bad PR for the club, and it doesn't look good. They're facing Huddersfield this uh, this weekend at home who have just fresh off the back of beating Bournemouth convincingly mm. last time out and will be confident. What a shock that was as well. Mm. I mean, I don't want to say that David Wagner is looking over his shoulder because we know what's there and it's petrifying. For those that saw it, uh, let's move on. <laughs> um, for West Brom, I should mention this, uh, they've only got three wins uh, this season. Only Fulham and West Brom themselves have ever survived having three wins or less at this stage of a Premier League season. Um I think if they lose this game, they lose the next couple of games, and they've got a lot of teams in and around them to play in the next few weeks. Maybe if they don't have six wins by 32 games, it's, it's done for them, I think, yeah. sadly. I, I genuinely think their only hope is to sack Alan Pardew immediately. Because mm. it, it, it hasn't worked. Mm. He's got he le- needs the, without the bounce with Alan Pardew, what do you get? He's got a worse per points, uh, points per game ratio than Tony Pulis had before him. And Pulis, was, the reason he got sacked was because his points per game ratio had fallen from his previously high standards. But And, and there's been some talk this week that they are considering getting rid of Alan Pardew if they lose this game. And I, I could see that happening because that literally, it, they have one last roll of the dice. If we're going we're gonna to go down, we might as well try and get someone in like, who, like Carlos Carvajal has done at Swansea mm. who can just somehow magic some performances out of these players. Um, big game against Huddersfield Town this weekend. Let's be on a Bournemouth against Newcastle. I was stunned that Bournemouth lost against Huddersfield. Uh, uh, they've been playing so well in recent weeks. Uh, they've got a lot of defensive problems, Bournemouth. That it's difficult for me to quite assess where they've come from because they seem to have good defenders, but defensively they keep conceding really terrible goals. And that's been a story of Bournemouth for so much of this season. They're only about two wins away from safety. They've got Newcastle this weekend. Uh, I think they bounce back. I think they get a win. I, I think Newcastle could still be in serious trouble. This is an important game for Newcastle because if you beat Manchester United at home and pull a result like that out of nowhere out the bag and then you go and lose to Bournemouth... Yeah, it means nothing. You've wasted 
all your good hard work that mm. you did against Manchester United. So if they can go down there and win six points out of two games, the troubles are looking a lot less uh, immediate. The problems just continue for Newcastle when it comes to scoring. And I would question again, who is going to score the goals to keep them up and to beat Bournemouth this weekend? I don't see it. For Bournemouth, goal scorers everywhere. Matt Ritchie will fancy another goal, though, won't he, against his old team? Yeah, I shouldn't have let him. I was always surprised they let him go. I always thought he was a good Premier League caliber winger. Uh, of course, scored the winner against Man U a couple of weeks ago. Um, let's go to Brighton up against Swansea City this weekend. Carlos Carvalho's revolution continues mm. for Swansea from looking dead and buried. There are a couple of places outside the relegation zone now, but uh, they were a long way behind before that run started. 14 points under Carvalho since he came in. They're still in it, though, and I think they know that as well. Uh, and they can't afford to go to Brighton, who have got a good home record, uh, and be as cavalier as maybe as they have been in recent weeks. I think they go there and they need to try and get a draw. It's whether they can do that with the air of positivity and playing on the front foot they've had in recent weeks. I don't think they'll change their approach massively. I think they'll go there and they'll they'll try and win. And Is that a mistake, though? Because Brighton are a very good home side. And teams that have gone there to try and win, barring Liverpool and the other bigger sides, invariably haven't. They, they're a very good organised side, Brighton. Uh, they get forward, they play good football. They're, well, they may be one of the, the better promoted sides at playing football we've had maybe since Blackpool uh, a few years ago came and tried to win every game they were in. Um, I think Swansea have got to go and, and, and try and contain Brighton, whether they can. Another question, scored lots of goals against Coventry as well. Joa uh, scored a great header. Murray is there. They've got Lacadia who scored on debut as well. Uh, goal scorers for Brighton, I'd fancy him. Uh, one game he not mentioned, Burnley against Southampton. How lucky are Burnley? The start of their season was so good. Yeah, because they're really they've been so awful for st- three months. Yep, they're really stuck in a rut. And I think these two teams really are the opposite of each other because you've got Burnley, who are more than the sum of their parts, and Southampton are very much less than the sum of their parts. If you look at their team, their players that they've got, quality everywhere. Lot, there's a lot of good footballers in that team. There's a lot of good, experienced players, and yet they are struggling. And they, for the second consecutive season, not playing very exciting. Football fans aren't very happy with the manager. Very uninspiring situation down there. Burnley, despite their poor run of form at the moment, on paper a worse team than Southampton, but they're comfortable in the Premier League in the top half. Burnley were obviously suffering from the on our suffering from the same thing that the Tony Pulis teams often suffer from. When you reach your target, it all falls away. Last year, West Brom could have competed for Europe when they got the forty. They couldn't care anymore. Uh, but Burnley are a couple of points away, but 36 is probably about the line. Maybe four more points needed and they, and they would survive this season. Um, they've still got to get them, and I think they probably will. But I think they achieved their targets too early, and that could then impact on next season. That's what I'd be worried about with Burnley as opposed to this. Southampton, uh, great win against West Bromwich Albion. They can the only league, beat West Followed Brom. it up in the cup. They're the only team they can beat. got to beat someone else. <laughs> got to beat someone else apart from Pardew. Um draw. It's going to be a draw. Nil-nil for me. Uh, that's it. That's all the games previewed for this weekend. Uh, David Walker, i see you next week. We'll see you all next week. Enjoy the football. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.